is the three-point shot. We're back, three-point shot. This is episode three. Um, and guys, I want to dive right into it. This is Zach. I'm here with Ben and Colin. Ben, say hey. What's up? Colin. How's it going? That's our voices so you can get us. I want to dive right in first to Maryland football. They played this past weekend. If you're listening to this, we probably released it Monday. Terps played Saturday, opened the much-anticipated season, uh, and they got blown out by Northwestern. I had a tweet yesterday saying crab cakes and can't even cover a 12-point spread against Northwestern. Usually we go back and forth with them about journalism schools, and yet we get blown out by Northwestern, the Wildcats, which is the most unoriginal name you can have in college sports, no, and the not. Terrapins, which is one of the coolest ones. We go out looking all cool, and... I don't even want to get into the no fan situation because that should have worked to our advantage. Not like Northwestern has any fans <laughs> anyway. Their parents but were there. But we went in and we had a good first drive. It resulted in a field goal, but it looked good. And then the whole rest of the game, you you would be hard-pressed to find a Maryland football game in the past four years that looked worse and was not against Penn State. Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, it was... Uh, well, I could point at the very least a freshman year Michigan uh, ran a train on us, but um, no, I, if if I'm if I'm being clear, that was one of the most embarrassing losses I've ever seen. Uh, if uh, just football in general, um, I would probably say probably our second most embarrassing loss since we've been here. I would personally give the edge of all the swagger we had last year. We finally get ranked, walking into Temple, and then Temple just kind of we came out flat, and Temple just kind of didn't look good either and it was one of those if it's both teams tried to lose the game and then we lost it but this as far as like a straight up blowout northwestern not but i don't want to disparage them too much because i don't know you know because they did know they have some good players they got indiana's quarterback on a transfer so like exactly. they do have some good players but like we should have hung in there much better than 43-3 yeah exactly i don't want too many sound bites of me saying oh northwestern's a terrible football program that's not what i'm trying to say but northwestern as far as the Big Ten is concerned, Northwestern is far and away not competing with these big dogs that are in the, the Big Ten. And it's one of those, if you go into this thing, these are the winnable games. And you go at, and I said on previous pods, I was like, I think Terps have a good shot to win three games this year. I think they have a good shot to beat Northwestern. I think they have a good shot to beat Rutgers. I think they have a good shot to beat Indiana. <laughs> and guess what? All three of those teams I thought they had a good shot to beat won yesterday against teams that were or are better than Maryland. So, I think it is entirely possible we don't win a game this entire season. Yeah, because, look, and there's a good chance that we play Northwestern again because of that Big Ten championship weekend, because Northwestern could lose the West. think it might be Illinois, but not getting into that. But where I'm mad right now is Mike Loxley. Not because from a coaching standpoint. He didn't coach well yesterday, but his players are also not good. But he spent the whole week telling the media, oh, I know who the starting quarterback is, but I'm not going to name him because to the public because I don't want to give anyone a competitive advantage. What kind of competitive advantage did Talia Tagovailoa have yesterday that he was able to keep his name a secret from being the starter? Northwestern figured him out pretty good. They picked him off three times. That's not his fault. Yeah. The picks, the picks are Talia's fault. Yeah. Mike Loxley not naming a starter, I don't think has anything to do with the rest of it. But he said it was for a competitive advantage. So, no, I, and well, I'll, maybe I'll, we would have lost 43 to nothing listen, otherwise. I, so I'll say absolutely not naming your starting quarterback gives you a competitive advantage of who's coming in. But now, no, I would it say, just didn't show. Now, I would, I would also go one further to the competitive advantage you're giving of a dude who was a backup and played 
I don't have exact snap numbers, but it I was can 12 say snaps. 12 passing attempts yeah. um, and one rushing attempt. And then you got Lance Lejean, uh, even less than that as far as we're looking at uh, attempts. So when you're talking about a competitive advantage going into the game, it's not like, you know, you're going to get, oh, are we going to get a Russell Wilson style running all over the place quarterback? Are we going to get a Tom Brady statue, but he's going to go slinging all over the field? You're looking at two pro-style slash dual-threat quarterbacks that can get you on the ground with their legs and they can get you in the air. And they're two quarterbacks who really don't have tape on them outside of high school unless you're filming the practices. So I think the smokescreen was a little dumb given the players you're looking at. But by and large, I don't have a problem with the, with the smokescreen coming into the game. The problem I do have, though, and this is... You could make the argument differently when it comes to other aspects of this. But in my opinion, when you have a quarterback competition that's as close as Loxley claims it is, right? You get Tag, you get Lance. These guys are apparently uh, neck and neck, you know, barely beating one another out when we're coming into this game. And Tag goes out there and he puts together one decent drive at the very beginning of the game and then looks nothing short of terrible for the rest of that first half. Why on earth... If it was that close about what quarterback is going to get the ball coming to start the game, why on earth do you not at halftime or sometime in garbage time put Lance out there before the final drive with 50 seconds? And that kind of, and this is kind of leading into the, the rant I've told the guys I'm prepping here with Lance Lejean and Loxley. And I don't know if Lance has secretly been leading a revolution against Loxley. I don't want to, but it seems like Loxley doesn't want to give Lance the ball. Last year, and I understand last year, you have a lot of quarterbacks. You have Piggy, you have Josh. And you had and, to save the red shirt. Yeah, and you want to keep Lance that red shirt. He gets three passing attempts the entire season, completes one of them, rushes 13 times for 104 yards. Now, that's a decent amount of- And he got hurt. Did he? Yeah, yeah he, he got, got hurt, hurt at the end of the season. Okay, okay. He got sort of like... I think, yeah, I think he was, was out a, for the Michigan State. It was a weird okay. little, like, corkscrew spin into the turf, if I remember right. So... And I probably don't. As far as it comes through for rushing averages per game, you know, you're he's doing well, but you're calling a lot of gadget plays, and you're calling especially a lot of them in garbage time. You want to keep the red shirt, I get it. I get why you don't want to put Lance out there. But... What aspect of Tagovailoa's play on yesterday, on yesterday, what, yeah. what aspect of his play in that first half, and I, you could take it in a vacuum, you could take it in quarters, you can take it in halves, you can take it drive by drive if you want to. What part of what Tag went out there and did in any way convinced you that he should stay in for the rest of that game? I, Lance did better on the ground in at least rushing last year, and granted, these are gadget plays designed to get decent chunk yards with a guy nobody's ever seen, but Lance has picked up more yards on the ground, uh, 104 yards on the ground um, last year. Tagovailoa has 194 yards through the air last all of yesterday, plus an additional 100 yards at Alabama. So in one year, Lance ran for more yards than Tag has passed his entire college career. To, to play devil's advocate here a little bit, I am treating both these guys as freshmen, especially in the program. Numbers from last year just don't 
don't really matter at this point for them. I'm sure Loxley and the coaching staff kind of agreed. We're going to bring them both in, clean slate. Whoever performs better currently will be the starting quarterback. But I see what you mean in that Lejean deserved a chance there. Now, you could argue that by the end of the first half, the game was already out of our reach given how good Northwestern was playing, and I'm sure the Terps were surprised last night, and Northwestern had us scouted really well. Um, so, I mean, that's just what I observed. Obviously, I think you're going to get, I think down the line, a definitely more of a platoon, but games cannot get out of hand that quickly, especially when next week you play Minnesota, who lost to Michigan but hung in there for most of it, and then Penn State the week after that, who lost to Indiana, but they're Penn State. It was just, it was, it was too much expectation my expectations were were high but not super high and they just crushed them absolutely crushed them yeah i mean and i i would i would add more to that if if you think that after the first half the game's out of reach then if if you want tag to be your starter right and if you if if loxley and listen i'm not at the practices i don't know what loxley's seeing i can only say by the games by numbers last year which you're right, honestly, with the way they were both used, completely unfair. Lance was a gadget player for a couple of runs. Tagovailova was a backup at Bama. So it's hardly comparable in how they were used. But if you want Tag to be your starter and the game's out of reach by the half and it was close, I, I don't understand why you wouldn't at least put Lance out there to see what you got in him. Give him real meaningful snaps in a game at game speed. Listen, Northwestern's probably not going all out in that second half, but at the very least, you know, and I was talking to Ben when we were watching this game, we were saying, well, you don't want to kill Tag's confidence. You know, you don't want to yank him. But at a certain point, he's getting killed out there. He's going three and out, or he's getting picked on a long bomb to practically nobody but the Northwestern backs. So it really makes you question... I, I'm not, obviously, I'm not jumping on the fire Loxley train or anything. And I don't even think, I think he definitely did get out coached. But I'm not even talking about that. I just, this specific instance to me baffles me to why if this was a neck-and-neck -neck quarterback race and you go out there and regardless of what the score is, I would have, especially if we're getting blown out, seen what I had in the other guy. And I wouldn't have given him a 50-second to maybe a minute and a half drill to see how quickly Lejean can get down the field against a defense that knows the game's over because there's a minute left. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Pat Fitzgerald is a great coach, too. I mean, he used to coach at Maryland. Him and Loxley coached together. And then Fitzgerald's one of the longer-tenured Big Ten coaches. And he's had some good programs. Northwestern's made the Big Ten West Championship and made the Big Ten Championship in the past couple of years. It's the East that's really the the powerhouses, and that's just because that's how history has gone. But that's kind of all the time I want to spend on football. But I do want to ask both of you guys this. Minnesota, Friday night, is Tagovailoa jogging out there as the starter? I don't think it matters. I mean, I think the thing that – and it's important to talk about the quarterback, but I think the thing that gets lost is I just pulled this up on my phone – 537 total yards, 325 on the ground, 6.5 yards a play, 8 of 16 on third down, 3 of 3 on fourth down, almost 37 and a half minutes of possession. Yeah. So the offense didn't hold up their end of the bargain. The defense got left out on the field a lot more than it should have been. But that is sort of a fatally leaky defense. Um, and they had chances. I mean... Six, if you have 16 third downs, and I know they had the ball a lot, you have 16 third downs, you get three third down, you get 
sorry, 11 third down stops, and then they end up getting 11 first downs off that. That's yeah. not good. The defense was terrible. And to answer your question, Zach, um, he better not be. Uh, or next week, uh, listen, I was firmly in last year, I was saying, hey, and I get you want to preserve the red shirt. And admittedly, I wasn't really considering the red shirt last season. But when Piggy looked iffy and Josh Jackson looked terrible, I was calling in, in the back of the stands at games nobody was attending, Throw out Lejean. Give me Lejean. Let Lejean run some garbage time drives. Let me let's see what we got in this four-star quarterback recruit. And I'm coming out harder and stronger backing the Lejean train until he proves me wrong that frankly the two of them are the same player. I pulled up they're from the same QB class. And I pulled up ESPN's top 300 for dual threat quarterbacks. Tag is 5 with an 83 and Lejean is 12 with an 82. So even from the get-go, these guys are dudes who were expected to be neck-and-neck, four-star recruits, same talent level. So when it comes to look at like that, I think if you have Tag and you have Lejean, Tag went out there, he kind of laid an egg against this team. Uh, I would at least give Lejean a half to see what he can do. And as far as the defense is concerned, the defense, I'll admit when they look rested on those early drives, also looked terrible, but at a certain point, when your offense goes three and out on every drive, or your offense has two plays and then gives up a bomb, or is fumbling the kickoff in the red zone, like, at a certain point, you're not doing your defense any favors. 30 minutes of possession is obscene for the amount of time you're expecting your defense to be out there. And I admit, Maryland defense is not, we're not exactly this, like, blitz them deep. We're not the steel curtain out there, you know? So we're not expected to stop you on every drive, but they're getting bullied by this team that is running all over them. They're wearing them out on the ground, especially. Uh, Northwestern put together a great run game from the from Bowser and from the quarterback whose name escapes me right now. Ramsey. Ramsey, thank you. Welcome. Um, you said future New York Giants. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were absolutely bullying that defense on the ground. And when you're giving them short fields or you're barely giving them three downs to rest, you know, you're, you're not getting first downs. Your, your defense has to breathe. No defense is going to be successful against a team where their own offense can't put together a drive longer than a minute and a half at a time. And, you know, if you can get an offense going – the defense at a certain point has to be into question. But when you have four turnovers in a game, one of them was on a fumbled kickoff. It's hard for me to blame the defense when, admittedly, yeah, a couple of those picks were arm punts by tag past the 30 into uh, the other side of the field. But the defense really never got a fair shake from the get-go when he got picked on, what, the second drive? Yeah. Yeah. The second offensive drive was an interception, and from that point on, the defense practically never got off the field. So the defense absolutely comes into question if, say, we go out next week, and I want to make it clear, I don't think we beat Minnesota. Minnesota's a really good football team, suddenly. Uh, <laughs> but um, if you can get an offense that can get some rhythm going and the defense is still getting the tires blown off them, then yeah, at that point you got to stop and say maybe the quarterback issue isn't the problem here. Maybe the defense needs to be looked at more than anything. But 
you know, it's hard to take anything away from that game that has so many miscues on the offense and say that it's the defense's fault. I know, but but think about how smart I look because you guys were talking about the quarterbacks, and I was like, what what about the defense? <laughs> and so I'm fulfilling my role as the annoying guy who thinks he's <laughs> thinks he's smarter than you guys. All right, so uh, I've, I've done my job. We've dwelled enough on football. Uh, that was Saturday night. I get home after I was watching the game, and I turn on the World Series, and Brandon Lau has just been killing it. Two home runs in Game 2, and then in Game 4 last night, with his team in danger of going down 3-1, hits a go-ahead home run, which ended up, it mattered, but uh, the Dodgers came back and tied it. But then the ending to that game last night was insane. Like we've said before, this is a Randy Arozarena podcast, and he's up right now with a 2-2 count against Clayton Kershaw. And uh, Glasnow, Tyler Glasnow, the Rays, has not been looking good. He gave up two runs in the top of the first. I will correct you there. He's been looking incredible. He just hasn't been <laughs> pitching very well. He's a handsome dude. But, guys, Brandon Lau, Adam Kolarik hasn't played too much in this series, but Lau has been phenomenal. Colin, we've said he, he didn't have a great postseason, but yeah. he gets hits when he needs them, man. Well, I think, I think I mean, listen, I think we should all kind of go around the table. At the beginning of the series, um, Obviously, the series started before we got out the last podcast episode. It started kind of in that interim. So we all kind of made predictions of who we think is going to win, and we made predictions for World Series MVP. And all three of us picked the Dodgers? Yep. I had Dodgers in seven, still do. I had them in six, and I haven't wavered. I had Dodgers in five, and I'm going to stick with that. Yeah. Um, well, uh, that can't. <laughs> anyway. I, I'm sorry, is this a math podcast or is this a sports <laughs> podcast? Yeah, I had Dodgers. Dodgers in five. I had Dodgers in six, and I'm going to stick with it. But I did say after, um, I think it was after that second. Randy Arozarena just hit a home run, I think. I uh, may have. Nope, nope. foul. Foul. Wow. Wow. Zach, way to get the listeners excited three days from now. Yeah, they're <laughs> going to know whether or not he hit his, it would have been his 10th. Yeah. He hit one last night, so that would have been his 10th of a single postseason. Um <laughs> He just missed that. I well, it was also short. Yeah, I was but about to say, it doesn't have the length. Other than the fact that it was foul and didn't get out, uh, um, yeah, he pretty much hit a homer. Uh, but after, I believe it was game two, I was I was sitting in my desk and we were talking about I was sitting at my desk and we were talking about Lau. Your desk, and, uh, you have an office? Well, I have a desk. <laughs> uh, we were, we were talking, we were, and Lau had been brought up and I, I had said at the same time, I still hold Dodgers in six. I still think that this is frankly, I think frankly... Um, how many times can I say frankly in one sentence? I think the Dodgers are just a better team. Um, but I do also think that the way the Rays have been playing, I had thought they ran out of gas against Houston coming out the end of that series there. Um, and I think it's clear that some of the guys on the Rays are kind of running out of steam. But in a weird way... Maybe the fact that Lau couldn't get it going until now is that he's got nothing but gas in the tank. And if Lau can get it going, this World Series is going to completely turn on its head. I really, I think at the end of the day, Lau makes the difference. Because you talk about guys like Randy who are going yards seemingly every at bat. And you talk about the pitchers on both sides and the hitting on both sides. And Lau is the one guy who you can point to and be like, he's the guy who can be so much more and isn't right now, as opposed to all these guys who are really doing well and could suddenly not do well. I think if nothing else changes and Lau turns it on like he can play, I think the Rays really do have a shot to make something of this series. I mean, I agree. 
I mean, I, I, I'm excited for a series. That's why I picked Dodgers in seven, because the Dodgers might be the better team, but the Rays play harder, I think. This Dodgers team also looked lost in the series against Atlanta at times before they turned it on towards the end. So, um, I mean, I, I just like to see good baseball. I'm very glad I got the chance to watch the game last night because the TV in my room gets Fox, while the TV in our living room does not. So I kind of have the competitive advantage there. And I was watching the game, and it really was, especially the ending, I would consider it a classic. It was the most excited I've been for a World Series game, especially the ending, since uh, Game 7 in 2016, Cubs-Indians. Um, so with all things considered, that's just, it was, it was awesome. Ben, I know you didn't get a chance to watch, but I'm sure you watched the replay today, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I watched the replays. Um, yeah, it was fine. No, I'm kidding. It was a great game. Um, I wasn't really paying attention at all. I saw that it kept going back and forth and back and forth. And I was like, I wanted to turn it on, but also I knew if I turn it on, one team would like walk in six runs in a row. So I decided to just let America have their excitement and not jinx it. Um, I will say, the part of the reason I'm so excited it was Brett Phillips who did it was, have you ever seen the videos of Brett Phillips' laugh? No, what? He was the minor leaguer for the Brewers. He has like a really weird laugh. And so when he was with the Brewers in AAA, he was at Major League Camp. And they did some video where it was veterans telling him jokes. And he was just laughing. And I can't really describe it, but it's one of the greatest noises I've ever heard. Who You have a good laugh. I like to think so. You've got like the... Every time Ben laughs, I really... I Especially if it's at one of my jokes, I feel happy because that means that I made him laugh. And it's just more sad... It's satisfactory because the laugh is enjoyable to hear as well. I'm sure all you listeners, hey mom, have um, <laughs> have chance... See, that's what I mean. He did the little the little snicker there, and it's just things like that that uh, you know bring joy to your day. Like baseball brings joy to mine. And this little setup we've got in our apartment right now, we're back recording in our living room studio, but we got the World Series on one TV, and we got the Sunday Night Football game on the other TV, and uh, just a good time to be a sports fan. People were complaining last night that because the game ended on errors that it was like bad. Errors are part of baseball. That's the way I always think of it. Is like, yeah, you want your team to be good and you want them to make sharp plays and crisp plays, but the error wouldn't exist if players didn't make mistakes and other teams capitalize on them. That's just the way the game goes. You're going to make game-ending errors and game-decisive errors, and it matter whether or not it happens in the World Series, it just shows nobody's perfect, as they show the Bill Buckner play on, <laughs> on the World Series shouldn't TV have been, shouldn't right have been now. On the field. Should not have been on the field the entire postseason because he had knees that were made out of, like, uncooked spaghetti and macaroni paintings. Every single time they had a lead, they were taking him out for a defensive replacement. It was John McNamara was the manager, I think. Every single time they were taking him out, and since it was a potential clinching game, the manager said, no, I'm not going to make sure we win. I'm going to leave the old guy out there because he should be on the field to celebrate. Then he didn't have anything to celebrate. And then we blew a lead in Game 7. Pre-2004 Red Sox history is just tragic. Way. Wow. Cry. Wow, that is that is interesting. So 30, 34 pitches. Uh we're we're watching the we're watching Yeah, Glasnow's having a wreck up. <clears throat> yeah, it they just brought up a stat on this television. Thirty-four pitches in a single inning is more than he's thrown in one inning in all season. Um not a great time. Yeah. You know, everybody likes to talk about Kershaw, but uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Everybody, everybody loves to 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 dog on Kershaw, but he By has everyone. Do you mean you? Well, yes, me, I do too. me specifically, but also I the know. entire internet. Um, <laughs> well, listen, yeah, everybody loves to take their pot shots at Clayton Kershaw, and I'll I'll admit he's earned them. Uh, he certainly earned them, much like the other team earned those runs. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, listen, he's been. Fine. He has he has been Kershaw, not the otherworldly Kershaw of four years ago, but he's definitely not been hurting his team so far. And I guess that's really all you can ask of your elite starting pitcher to be elite and not actively terrible for your team. It's that might be terrible. Wow. Yep, Glasnow gives up a home run yeah. to Jock Peterson. I, I believe what I would summarize tonight's action is Tyler Glasnow, jawline, sharp, pitching, not sharp. So, so Glasnow is officially the new Kershaw, is what I'm hearing, is what I'm, is what I'm smelling. Now, another big thing you look at in baseball, especially this year when the players have had more freedom to kind of wear what they want in warm-ups, the MLB's been a little more lenient on, on that kind of stuff. Headbands have been big under the helmets, hold guys' hair back, especially because a lot of guys didn't get haircuts over quarantine and whatnot, so they're, they're rocking a lot of flow. Ben has started wearing headbands again, and uh, it's quite a look. I know bad radio, but if I were to describe him, he looks kind of like Fabio, but ten times better. And uh, Ben, how you liking the headband life? I mean, I'm a fan. I had some at home, but I, I put them in a box somewhere and forgot where they are. And then my hair grew back out. Um, so now I got them. I like to think that I can channel my inner uh, Brock Holt and Andrew Benintendi when they were when they were the Flow Bros, but uh, but Brock Holt's gone now. He's he's a Washington National, and 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 you have unwittingly touched on a real sore spot. Um, so I'm gonna need like five to ten minutes where I'm just sort of silent, save the occasional sob, uh, and 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 you guys can talk about other stuff. Jack Peterson has. Such a baby face. Yeah. That is totally unrelated. But they showed him on the screen, and I just want to pinch his little cheeks. Yeah, who is a... This, okay, so here's, here's a question for the two of you, all right? Uh, who has a bigger baby face? Uh, Will Smith on the Dodgers or Jock Peterson? Jock Peterson. Jock Peterson. Will Smith's got some stubble working. Yes. I, don't, I don't know. Will Smith looks like his mom just picked him up from kindergarten. I... Nah, Jock Peterson has what we Jews refer to as put him. He's got those big pinchable <laughs> cheeks, yeah. and as as a proud owner of some, as my mother would say, Shane upon him, I I know a thing or two about cheek pinches. I once got my cheek pinched by somebody who is three years older than me. Just saying, it's now our third podcast and third time I'm mentioning it. We have still not received any baked goods from Ben's sister or mother. Hint, hint. Yeah, Anna, you're slacking. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't. I, although, I made brownies on Friday. Uh, Those were really good. They slapped. I mean, yeah. Betty Crocker fudge brownies. Not a sponsor, but uh, but but they go Hit hard. Me up. They, I, I bought another box today when we went to the grocery store, because uh, down the line, you just, you gotta make them, and, uh, and they'll be good. What's oh, your favorite, favorite baked good for you guys? Like, what's your, what's your go-to? Is it like pie baked good? Yeah, yeah like what kind of pie? Pumpkin pie. Pumpkin. I was about to say, I, I can answer that for college. Yeah, true. Did you, how do, quickly did you eat that one the other day? Or uh, both of them, I should I, say. I, st- I still have all three in my fridge, actually. Oh. I'm taking my time with them, even though they expire in a couple of days now. I oh, do, you need, <laughs> do you need help? Uh, no. I mean, I, get out of here. I don't. But I, I might I might be eating them a little bit Mookie after. Mookie bets. Like, no, he got on No, yeah. 
I might be eating them a little after they expire. Yeah, it's pumpkin pie and it's not even close. It's, uh, <laughs> as as my my weekly shout out to my father, as he can attest to. Um, see, it's funny. My dad told me that I mention him on every podcast, so now I feel and obligated. Normally making fun of him. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah, he did criticize his exact. Uh, words, I believe, are something along the lines of, I feel like you take a shot at me every episode of the podcast and radio show. He feels correct. Yeah, uh, unintentionally. um, Although, apparently, last week, I said, in exact words, my weekly shot at my dad. That sounds like something you would say. Yeah, uh, so, apparently, I do realize I do it. Um, (laughs) This is a pro-Randia Rosarena and anti-Mark Cohen podcast, apparently. No, listen, he's he's my dad. I love him very much. Um, But he does have some weird sports takes sometimes. Uh, So that's where you get it from? Well, (laughs) weird is an unfair thing to describe my sports takes at. Bad is one way you could describe them. I do have a lot of terrible takes, but... Um, I did once famously on our radio show say the San Jose Sharks were going to easily run away with the uh, Stanley Cup when they m- traded for Eric Carlson, and they did not make the playoffs that year. So well, you didn't specify when they were going to run away. Or no, them. was that the year they made it to the Western Conference Final and then lost? If anybody's going to know that, it's you. So yeah. If you, if you have to ask, we're just going to assume they did. One of the two. But they didn't win the Stanley Cup, and now are kind of retooling slash rebuilding. I leave so. for two minutes, and you start talking about hockey. Yeah, I have, <laughs> I have so few opportunities. You asked ask about baked goods, and we had to get it back around to sports. You're being unprofessional. Exactly. We never said we were You're a like sports Borja, podcast. You're like Borja talking about the weather. Uh, <laughs> true, but we never said we were a sports podcast. We are. are <laughs> not. We tried Gabagool. Like, oh, we, we threw it out immediately after. Oh, oh yeah, awful. we threw it all in the trash. It was it, awful. It was so bad. Oh, it was a briny salami. It was too salty. Yeah. And it, like, there was no chew. There was not, it was, it were too much chew. To answer your it question. It was like ham pickled. Yeah. yeah. Very, very to bad. answer your original question, Zach, my favorite baked good is pretty much whichever one is closest to me. <laughs> like, I'm not a huge Danish guy, but I think if really tested... I probably wouldn't have the willpower to say no to like like a good like warm but not hot enough to burn my mouth Danish. Mm-hmm. Um, cinnamon rolls are always good. I the the worst glazed donut I've ever had was still pretty good, uh, but that's fried technically, not baked. It is um, true. Donuts do are we, Do we need me to fill time with this? No, I can now talk I'm about thinking we're a sports a podcast and a food podcast. What else can we be? Oh, well, we are, are we, idiots. Are we, are, we like, <laughs> are, we, are we like those people who have the, we're a hot dog eating team with a bowling problem? Yeah. I, 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 honestly, we're like one of those YouTubers who's like, yeah, I play Minecraft and now I have 15 different YouTube channels for my weird music that career. That is low to, convin- convince, to, uh, to equiv- equivalent us and YouTubers. There's God, Jimmy would... Fallon dousing himself with a water bottle. What? Why? For a sport for... I'm not confident he could describe in detail. Uh no, um, but back to the greater point, as my dad can attest to, I do unholy things to, to pumpkin pie. Uh, All right, then. I, consumed, <laughs> I, once consumed, I can attest to that. I once consumed one and a half entire pumpkin pies in a single Thanksgiving dinner to the point I was being actively yelled at because I was eating the pie too much. <laughs> Were uh, you actively being yelled at while continuing to eat? Yes. I, okay, I snuck more pie than they would actually... Uh, this is also a confession. Um, <laughs> I snuck more pie than they would ever actually realize I took. To the point where my uncle openly said to me, dude, are you okay? Uh, I was. I was very full and happy because it was a lot of pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie is gosh dang delicious. I'm full now and I had a salad for dinner. Anyway, 
Um, <laughs> in case you right. were worried who the so, best person among us is. So so while Zach had to step out for a moment, uh, Ben took a took a shot at me, a valid one, <laughs> a valid one, understandably, about some terrible sports takes we've had. And it's always fun to laugh at somebody's atrocious sports takes. So I do have to ask the two of you, what do you think is the single worst sports take you've ever had? I've ever had or ever or heard from someone else? Uh, you, we can do both, but okay. spe- specify which. It's I've got two that come to mind. One, Maryland football is going to be good in 2020, but that's kind of a gimme. I don't remains to be seen. The other is that Jacoby Ellsbury was going to be a, a, a Hall of Famer by the time he left the Yankees. <laughs> uh, the dude played like four seasons for us and just was terrible. Oh my gosh, uh, I am I am so happy that my dad talked me down from being sad about Ellsbury leaving. He signed away, and my dad was like, "We'll be fine." Um, they were. Yeah, we were. Um, That's like the opposite emotion I had with Pineapple Bond. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't know. I'm really, really, really smart. And, like, I'm right a lot. You Uh, did think Dak Prescott just had a minor leg. Well, I wasn't looking to see if his foot was on the right way. Um, I'm not a doctor. Um, and this is sports takes, not medical takes. Um, I, maybe it's just that I blank out anything negative I do from my own brain. Like, the best one I can think of is I thought Jackie Bradley Jr. was going to develop into an all-star, which, like, he technically did. He was an all-star <laughs> one year. So, like, I, I get points for that. Um, I mean, the worst one I've, I've seen, I mean, I've seen so many different ones coming from Boston of people declaring athletes done before they are done, namely Tom Brady and David Ortiz. Um, and then you just, I mean, you always see like the worst sports takes are always the, the internet GM suggesting trades of just like, well, you know, like the Red Sox should trade Michael Chavis and the rights to Nomar Garcia Para for (laughs) Albert Pujols and a time machine that can take us back to 2007. Are Nome Nomar Garcia Para? No, like the player. He signed a one-day contract I, 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 to retire with us. Yeah. Technically a Red Sox forever. We can bring him back at any time. Same with us <laughs> and Hideki Matsui. <laughs> I think we win that one. Uh, now? I don't know. <laughs> no more staying in good shape. He has to. He's married to Matsui. Matsui's looked the same since he came over. I went to soccer camp run by the guy who introduced Nomar Garciapara and Mia Hamm. That's cool. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we have a gnome in our apartment. It's just like a garden gnome. Also, but we named it Nomar Garcia Parra. Second fun fact about that guy: only kicker to ever hit a field goal with both feet in the same NFL game. Cool. Yeah, and the kicker in the infamous snowplow game, where a brush on a tractor driven by a convicted felon cleared the snow so the Patriots could beat the Dolphins three nothing. Oh yes, Patriots and convicted felons pulling off a ridiculous play. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that was a reference to the late Aaron Hernandez. I apologize for nothing. Who allegedly had killed three people and proven uh, had killed one person uh, when he caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Uh, and we're not going to dwell on that, so we're going to. Boy, move- I'm glad we got here from baked. <laughs> Zach, what's your favorite baked? <laughs> uh, I like blondies. Uh, the cookie with the brownie. It's yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So we're we're trying to move fast. Uh, <laughs> 
The Dream Team, that was a thing. Can we... So, it wasn't... I am always willing to talk about so the while Dream we're, Team. While we're talking about terrible Can we talk takes. about the Dream Team? Let's talk about the Dream Team. <laughs> yeah, so... so Wait, which Dream Team? The Eagles Dream Team. Oh, even better. Not, like, Namdi Dream Team. Okay. Uh, yeah, so... I can... And I'll admit, I was fairly young for, for the Dream Team. But as somebody from Philadelphia, the Dream Team was kind of like a religious experience to watch it happen because How many it was, Super Bowls did they win? They won exactly zero. Um, they won like six games. I was about to say arguably negative numbers. Uh, they the, the players we acquired to, to put together the quote-unquote dream team, and for those that possibly are not aware, um, if any of our new Northwestern football fan fan base <laughs> that is following us on Twitter – uh, Did they follow plug. us or just like our tweets? Uh, some of them liked our tweets. I think at least one of them followed us. Yes. Uh, for the record, follow us on Twitter at Three Point Shot Pod. We post random sports memes and other things we say in the apartment while watching sports that are pretty funny. Uh, and by us, I mean I post them, but we all say them. Uh, back to the dream team. Back to the dream team. For those that might not know, the Philadelphia Eagles put together what is one of those, like, they had they won the offseason where they got every big free agent on the defense that you could possibly do. And I think it was was it Namdi? Was it Namdi that called them the dream team? I thought it was Vince Young. Somebody somebody I thought it was backup quarterback Vince Young. That is possible. But either way, somebody one of these free agents or players currently on the team said, Hey man, we put together the dream team as to imply that they were really, really good. Um, and even at the time, and anybody who is familiar with it would know that any major metropolitan area sports talk radio is garbage. But of them, New York, Boston, and Philadelphia sports talk radio are the three worst. Uh, Philadelphia sports talk radio was immediately like, uh, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> and a lot of people, and it was it was pretty aggressively split among people that even remotely was like, uh, that seems to be putting the cart before the horse and other people who completely bought into the hype train and were like, yes, we're going to win 45 uncontested Super Bowls. Uh, and the dream team was terrible. So if you want to hear the Not worst, all of us, the worst hot take I've ever heard was the team themselves calling themselves the dream team uh, would probably be the worst hot take I've ever heard. Anything other than Chip Kelly uh, doing anything ever would be a hot take. Chip Kelly saying anything about his own abilities as a manager uh, would probably count. <laughs> yeah, I think that could be up there. Ben, I got a quick question because I forget. Every time Ben goes to sleep in our apartment, he says, no more jobs. What does that mean? Uh, it's from a, from a stand-up special. It's James Acaster, his four-part special repertoire. He has a thing where he's talking about giving a massage to a significant other, and he's talking about how it always happens when you're in bed with them and you're about to go to sleep. And you've thought, I had all these jobs to do today, and I'm done doing jobs. And so he talks about how some people think of it as not having any more jobs to the point where they yell no more jobs as they're going to bed. And I did it once last year, and it really entertained me. And then in terms of how integral you guys are to my life, just to, just to get mushy for a second and how you're like family, when I was at home, 
Last, uh, over quarantine, at some point, I was going to bed, and I yelled no more jobs, and no one reacted, so I just walked away, but in my head I was like, that's my other family. That's my secret second <laughs> So family. I actually, I had an idea for a segment on the show that we could actually do recurringly. Concern. But it's called ahead. No More Jobs, and it's your No More Jobs guy of the week, guy or gal, of the week, and it's essentially someone who throughout the week just made you be like, no more jobs. Like, they shouldn't have a job anymore, or they should just stop doing what they're doing. <laughs> I thought you meant somebody who should be put to sleep. Because I have mine, yeah? and mine is Daniel Jones. Ah, that was going to be mine! <laughs> no, you want him to have a job forever. Yeah. Well, I do want him to have a job forever. Uh, well, if, if but mine is Daniel Jones. Look up what he did against the Eagles in week seven, depending on when you're listening to this. You'll see what I mean. That guy is my no more jobs of the week. Well, it's it, and I, I don't I genuinely don't mean this to be to be comedic and it might seem comedic. But my my honest heartfelt no more jobs of the week is going to go out to Andy Dalton. Um, he got, for those who don't know, completely dirty, undefensible hit. Um, directly to the head. He was sliding. If you've seen the Joe Flacco, Kiko Alonso hit, very similar thing. Caught him right in the jaw, under the ma- under the face mask. And the guy at Boston hit him with his helmet. Too. With like the helmet. Helmet to helmet. Helmet to, almost helmet to jaw without any of Dalton's helmet interfering. One of the worst concussions I can imagine a football player is experiencing right now. Um, even compared... Probably not one for one, but to some of the aggressive hits Brett Favre had taken. Like, Dalton was completely, seemingly unconscious on the field. And he got bounced off the turf, too. Hearts out to Andy Dalton and his family. I hope he's okay. But honestly, when you're a career backup and you take a hit like that, at a certain point, you just have to say, listen, I've made the money I I have. I, I... you know, I don't know his financial situation. Assuming he's been smart with the money and he doesn't need the money anymore, just walk away after a hard hit like that. You you don't need to come back. You're, you're past 30. The best years of your career are behind you. You know, it's, it's not – take up something in coaching or QB if you want to do it. Don't keep putting your body on the line after an aggressive hit like that. Oh, uh, no more jobs of the week goes to – I'll give it a tie between the Dutch team that lost 13 to nothing – uh, in soccer this week. Football. Uh, no. Okay. Football. No, 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 no. It's a different sport in the Netherlands. I know people in America think soccer players are soft. Dutch soccer is violent. <laughs> Dutch soccer is And they awesome. lost 13. They lost 13. I mean, they're one of the worst teams in the league, and they're playing one of the best teams. Um, but, yeah, they, they, can, they can have half of my no more jobs of the week. And then just Mike McCarthy, just because he seems like he seems like his players have already tuned him out. And also, they're terrible, and it's week, what, eight? Week seven. Oh. We're wow. still in the middle of week seven. So I was giving him too much credit. Yeah. Bring back Jason Garrett, Cowboys. Time, time for me to, to, to think, to jump on that. Uh, I don't know if you have ever seen, um, you know, anybody that doesn't like the Cowboys talking about the Cowboys after uh, the Cowboys lose. And I understand that... And I want to make it clear that, again, hearts out to Dalton and his family. But even before Dalton was taken out in the third quarter, the Cowboys looked horrendous. So I'm going to throw up a hearty, and I'm wearing my uh, podcasting cowboy hat. How about them, Cowboys? Uh, because at this point, I would imagine favorites to win the NFC least. Uh, <laughs> and that is intentionally least, as it is, I believe, the worst... Let me rephrase. It is comfortably the worst division in the league right now. 
I believe it may be one of the worst divisions in the history of the sport. Yeah, but it could, you know, one team could just turn it around. So and it's, it's, still it's early. absolutely, it's still early. It's only week seven. But at this point, you'd imagine having lost Dak, assuming for the season with that horrendous ankle injury, losing Dalton for at least several, several weeks, if not the remainder of the season, you know, the NFL's history with concussions. Um, you have no offense to DePruitt or whatever his name is, but you have a no name at a JMU, some six round pick out of nowhere. Uh, you got a team whose the defense is bad. The team's given up on the coach. Cowboys are out of it. The Giants, they're led by Daniel Jones. So they're by definition out of it. So you look at the Eagles, you look at the Washington football team, and one of the two of them is going to win this division. And I don't know, listen, I'm an Eagles fan. I'd love for the Eagles to win the division because I would rather us play in the playoffs than not play in the playoffs, uh, even though I understand that means a worse draft pick. But um, honestly, the way the Eagles have been playing and the way the Washington football team has been playing, it, it is kind of hilarious that either one of these teams is going to host a playoff game host. They're going to be the home team for a team that almost certainly will have a better record than they will. Almost by definition. Yeah, I've seen projections saying actually that um, it is entirely possible the Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles led by Carson Wentz will host a playoff game to the Chicago Bears led by Khalil Mack and Nick Foles. Uh, and quite frankly, I don't see a better or worse scenario for the Eagles in the playoffs because if they win... Yay, the Eagles won a playoff game and they beat the Bears again. That's hilarious. If they lose, yay, Nick Foles moves on. I'm happy. But also, I then have to deal with an entire offseason of these idiot pundits on WIP and all over Reddit talking about how we should have kept Nick Foles three years ago and how Wentz is terrible. And frankly... I, in a in a way, I almost hope Nick Foles and the Bears fail solely so we don't need to lose to them in the playoffs. I I genuinely want Nick Foles to succeed in everything he does in life, except football, because I have to hear these terrible takes from uninformed people about why Nick Foles is the greatest quarterback of all time. Love him to death, but um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, we. About time to wrap up here. You guys got any last thoughts for the week? No, I I haven't. I probably had eight to ten thoughts this entire week, so I've probably <laughs> used them all up already. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna take another another attempt to plug the Twitter. Follow us on Twitter <laughs> at Three Point Shot Pod. Um, <laughs> yeah, true, Ben. You want to take us out? Your famous saying? Yaksabash. <laughs> <laughs> the other one that you say before you go to sleep. <laughs> no more jobs. No more jobs. Thanks so much for listening.